everybody's got a to-do list. I have a to-do list, and item number three is make to-do list. Ah, did you get it? Drop off the dry cleaning. Pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's have save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Now that I really do want to do. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. I'm doing it. Extra money in my pocket. I want it. It just may be the most rewarding to do you do today. Now Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. John Lovitz just walked into the studio here with a dog in a red box. <laughs> Your dog is licking my legs right now. No, he's not. <laughs> he's up, over here. Talk to, you, you have to, you know how this works. You gotta talk close to these microphones. He's across the ta- table. What is your dog's I mean, name? You must be licking yourself. <laughs> <laughs> What is your dog's name? Jerry Bruckheimer III. <laughs> so that's not a joke. That's really your dog's name? Yes. Does Bruckheimer know this? Yes. <laughs> what is he? Why the third? He likes it. Well, Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer, is the first. He's a friend of mine. Right. And then I had I a cat. Right. Who died, so he was the second. <laughs> right. Well, at the time, he was just Jerry Bruckheimer. So this guy doesn't move up So then to I the got my spot? cat, my dog, and his, he's a rescue. He's already named Jerry. So I decided to name him Jerry Bruckheimer, and then he would be the third, and that's his name. What are you doing hanging out with Jerry Bruckheimer? Well, I've I've known him forever. Right? Yeah? Yeah. He, you know, Dana Carvey and I, um, I mean, I knew him, but I met Don Simpson, his partner, years ago, mm-hmm. and um, became friends with Don, and then met Jerry, and I'd hang with them in Aspen, and then they, they wanted Dana Carvey and I to uh, star in the movie Bad Boys. <laughs> right. And then... Unfortunately, he didn't work out, but I stayed friends with Jerry. So that's, you know, and then you named your dog after him. Yes. <laughs> and he doesn't and mind he that. Met, no, he's flattered. And then he, met, he, he finally met my dog. I go, what do you think? And he goes, he needs water. He was very protective of him. Come here, Jerry Bruckheimer. He's a very cute dog. dog. But he's oh the cutest dog ever. He's like a person. I would have brought my dog, Gopher, who's also a rescue, which is who's about this size. And he likes these little puggies. What kind of... Well, why did you name him Gophers? Did that, he come that up was, from under the ground? No, that was his name on the site. It just said, we've oh. named this dog Gopher. And well, I thought he, was, it was a, he was a rescue dog. Right. Oh. I'm very flattered. You just got a call and you ignored it. Well, it's my wife. So that I ignore oh, those regardless. It anyway. <laughs> yes, it's... Huh. So, so much for flattery. <laughs> so, so he, he, um, he, um, he was uh, already named Jerry. Okay. Well, good. Well, thank you for coming in. I've been wanting You're to have welcome. you on. You're welcome. Goodbye. No, don't leave just yet. I know you have stuff you want to talk about. I mean, I know you have this show and you had a talk show, but to me, you're just a page. <laughs> intern. An intern. Who yes. ended at the Keys, right? Yes. If, uh, if you didn't know, I was on the same season as John Lovitz, except he was a cast member and I was an intern and then the receptionist. I right? remember you as the receptionist, actually. Right. Yes. I did a decent job, don't you think? Yes. And you look the same. That's just what's <laughs> weird. You haven't aged a day. I have. No. I have. I'll take my shirt off and show you. It's no. awful. Thank you. <laughs> I was at the movies last night. Now, Sorry. now look. There's your phone. No, that's your ring. That's your ringtone, yeah, right? Is there me. someone? Well, where do you live that you're worried about? Who... I can't tell you that. Do you live in the city here? 
I live in Los Angeles. And what is, what does your ring camera look at? What are you worried about? What are you is that your about? is Let's that your my house? Is it your doorbell? I so, can't tell you that. It's a security <laughs> system. I'm not giving it away. Well, this is what happens. It rings in a podcast and then you ignore it. <laughs> Does it know I'm in the podcast? It's a, it's a, it's electronic. What's happening at your house right now? This will be good. What are doing work? Oh. Well, all right. Well, then you turn the thing off. The pool guy was it, it, when he comes. I have to turn the thing off because it, it'll just ring a hundred times. Turn the sound down. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I ran into. Apologize. I was at was at the move uh, movies last night, and who's sitting in front of me in the empty theater? But Kevin Nealon. And I said, "Hey, oh. what a funny coincidence! I'm having Lovitz come in tomorrow." And he said, "I'm sorry." Yeah, and I go, "Oh, did you lose bet?" <laughs> yeah. Very old, very stale <laughs> joke. I. Uh, I have to get into the John Lovitz origin story. I know you have stuff to promote here, but still, there's no, there are big fine. there are big holes in my my knowledge of you as a performer and as a comedian. You're married, right? I am. Well, let's not try to fill those holes. <laughs> All right. What it, you grew up here in Southern California, right? Yes, it, in Encino and Tarzana. Encino. So you're a product of L.A. My dad I didn't know was that. a doctor, and a yes. Yeah. What kind of doctor was he? He's an internist. He built Tarzana Hospital. If you go in there, you'll see his picture. Really? And you didn't want to be a doctor? No. Why? <laughs> you ever been to a doctor's office? Yeah, no. I grew it's up so in a medical boring. family. Oh, it's just too boring. Oh, there's no noise. No, it's just sterile. And, and also, I, uh, honestly, uh, you, I mean, you have to be really smart to be a doctor. I couldn't do that work. I, well, you're I don't pretty have smart. You have my to be whole really family sm- was doctors. My dad was a doctor. His brother, my uncle, was a doctor. My mother's brother, <laughs> and the, an eye doctor, everybody knows him, the world-famous eye doctor, Robert Abraham. Look up the Abraham lens. And I, every eye doctor goes, that's your uncle? Yeah, Uncle Bob. I didn't know. And then, and then his, uh, my grandfather, was my mom's dad was a lawyer, and his brother was an eye doctor, Okay, Sam Abraham. And they're all doctors. My first cousin, Bob Lovitz, was an actor at Juilliard and didn't want to do it, and he became an anesthesiologist. <laughs> My cousin Brian's a surgeon. I mean, they're all. Uh, well, I, I just couldn't do it. I don't have the brain for it. I've didn't ADD. they put pressure on you when you were a teenager? Were you always no, in the no, comedy? No, because my father wanted to be a singer, and I said, "Would well, you want me to be a doctor?" He goes, "Well, that's up to you. I would never tell you what to do, John. Really? I promised I would never do that. You do what you want to do. That's really sweet. Now you don't normally hear that." No. Or a gentleman from your uh, generation. Uh, uh, and then my best friend, David Kudrow, mm-hmm. Lisa's brother, he's he's a doctor. He's a neurologist. And, the, and then another guy, Peter Richmond, who grew up with. Peter, he's a surgeon. There's a five, m- me and four, five other guys that were all best friends. Wow. Growing up since okay. we were 13. And, Stay and close and to that mic. Stop leaning back. Two of them are back. doctors and... Two are lawyers and one's an architect, and I became the actor. Okay, here's something else I didn't know about. You, I didn't know you were a twin. That I'm Jewish? No, I, I knew that. You you have a twin sister? Yes, but I don't really talk about her or my family because it's their private life. Oh. Isn't it? <laughs> not really. Yes. It's really. not really private if I could find out. Well, I just Googled I, it I'm and I saw this. Our, yeah, but I, I don't You can just talk about what it's like being a twin. I don't need to know about Les- Leslie. I just didn't know you were a twin. Would you shut up, you idiot. <laughs> I didn't know about I can your, edit. your, your, <laughs> yes. your um, brother. Straight twin, uh, Jeffrey Ferriston, who you, talked to me about you. And you said, know my brother. And said that you used to attack him 
I, uh, that's none of that is true. Shared. No. Mm-hmm. That's Wally. Oh, is that private? There's nothing private in my life. I, I don't care. I just, well, everyone I be, refers to you as the twins. You know, when you're a twin, every twin knows that. They go, the twins. They're just all these little things that's I That's all know. I'll say about it. It's, it's, I'm very private. It's her private. You know, what kind of privacy it. are you violating by saying what it's like I being a twin? I don't talk about it, Spike. <laughs> you can ask me till you're Jew in the face. I mean, blue. I don't talk about it. All right. All right. All right. You're a little touchy. I, I get no, it. I, you keep I want to hear about. Say it. I like also when I'm re. I like uh, these other jobs that people do that I can't imagine them doing. Um, working in a clothing store, I can see you I'll doing talk that. About I can me see you want. doing that. But uh, I did stock work. I didn't like it. But, uh, yeah, the people were nice. What about being a waiter? Where were you waiting tables in L.A.? And at what age is well, this? Well, I, I went to first. I went to New York to try to. I wasn't getting anywhere here, so I went to New York. And a friend of my. I had a lot of friends from college there mm-hmm. that were drama majors. So Laura Heller got me the Renaissance Fair, and then Christy, a uh, uh, guy, he was a waiter at this restaurant, uh, giggled. <laughs> and so it was crazy busy. And so the, the manager, Mike, goes, have you been a waiter before? I go, yes. <laughs> and I had never been. It was it was so crazy. And I like I was the worst waiter in the history of mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. I had like two glasses of wine on a tray, and I'd hand it to one, and then it spilled over, and the other guy, <laughs> horrible. And he goes, just tell me the truth, John. Did you lie? Were you ever a waiter? <laughs> yes. He goes, just don't lie. I go, yes. Well, I have to let you go. All right. <laughs> but I was totally lying. I wouldn't admit it. I was a horrible waiter. Everyone was a waiter. They make good money. I couldn't do it at all. Sebastian Maniscalco was just on, and he was talking about being a waiter at the Four Seasons. I was Name a, dropper. I was Spike a waiter. Harrison. I was a waiter. Well, I was horrible. I had like five <laughs> tables, and a friend of mine... She she just laughed at me. I go, how do you do it? She had twenty seven tables. Mm-hmm. She was five, and you couldn't do it. I go, I you know, 20... I started to get the hang of it. It's hard work. Though. Five is a lot. That's a lot. I couldn't do more than five tables right, without screwing up. She had twenty seven. Yeah, that's insane. She didn't do it well. That's that... a lie. Talk about a lie. No, it wasn't a lie. All right, let's just flash forward here now to uh, Sorry Ant Live. How did how did you get on this show? Because I'm I, I'm missing. I, I asked Kevin Neal in this. He told me a story I hadn't heard before. I don't really know. I don't recall seeing your audition tape when I was there and going through the tapes. What is that yeah, little? You probably you probably weren't allowed access because you were just a receptionist. No, we were going through every. We we oh. found that big drawer. Audrey was well, telling us I, to throw him out am... at one point. How long do you want me to tell it in? Cause Just tell the short version, because we want to talk about cars and hangers and then your new stuff. I basically, I was in the Groundlings, and Lorraine Newman saw me in a show there that Phil Hartman was starring in, and then she recommended me to Lauren, <clears throat> and then um, I got an agent, because the Groundlings got on The Tonight Show, which you can see on YouTube, right? and that got me an agent, my guide's dad, and then I got, I got auditions like a month later. I said, three weeks later, I said, get me extra work on soaps. I go, I needed money because I paid 90 bucks a day and I was right. a messenger making yeah. 40, n- nothing, five bucks an hour. Because, no, you don't want to, I'll do it if you want, but I'd wait three weeks till the audition. <laughs> so in May, there was, all, I think it was May 3rd, there was all these auditions and I got everything. And I got a movie with Charles Grodin and we were on Catalina Island and I was supposed to meet with Lauren and he wanted to, re- he recommended me to Lauren. But what happened was I was, I got in The Tonight Show. Jim McCauley was the producer of The Tonight Show. He found all those comedians. Uh, uh, Gary Shanling, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Maher, Roseanne, everybody, Jim Carrey, gave all of them their breaks. Me and the Groundlings, he picked three sketches. I was in two of them. And then he recommended me to Fred Weissman, who was in charge of casting Saturday Night Live. And Lauren was, 
all over the papers. Lauren Michaels is coming back. It's 1985. <laughs> yes. And Fred was a dentist. And he goes, John, I don't know anybody. So I asked Jim McCauley, who's good? And he said, you are the best sketch comic in L.A. And I go, me? What about Phil Hartman? What about, you know, uh, Tim Stack? And that they were in the groundlings. And I looked right. up to those guys, you know. But anyway, and then I met Al Franken and Tom Davis. They were producing the show that year. And then I met Lauren. And then they brought us to New York. We had an audition in front of 35 people. And they go, there's five spots. And there's ten, it was like the Miss America, 10 men and 10 women in the finals. Where? Okay, wait. And where then, is the audition taking place? At 8H? The final audition was well, in the theater, Minskoff Studio Rehearsal Theater. Where's that? Minskoff okay. Theater, they had rehearsals in New York. It was this huge <clears throat> room. Right. And then... I saw Randy Quaid looking at me, and, and then they go, oh, and then they, it turned out there was one spot. <laughs> That's Four it. guys were already cast, and it, it was always like mystery, that show. Everything right. was like, you never got the straight answer. And they'd already cast, turned out Randy Quaid, Robert Downey Jr., Terry Sweeney, and Anthony Michael Hall. And um, What did you put together for that audition? I had four characters. I did. And then they said, Lauren said, do you have anything else? And Oof. What were the four characters? Do you remember? Anything that made uh, it onto the show? Well, yeah, it was my liar character and master thespian, and um, Eddie Spumoso, and uh, oh, and Biff Lorenzo. Yeah, and yeah, wow. they all four made it. Wow, that's and great. Then, and then I did. Um, the next day, they put us on tape, and wait, well, well, Lorne Michael says, "Well, hold on, wait." Lorne Michael says, "Do you have anything else right in that moment when you're standing on the stage?" Well, what? Ha yeah, and, and and they said they won't laugh at you, but they were laughing. You know, so not all of them, but they were laughing. I go, this is good. And he goes, do you have anything else? Anyway, we had like eight minutes for the audition. I'd done like four. So I go, well, I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought, he's asking for more. So I just started working on a stand-up routine. Mm -hmm. And you have to know, right before me, Damon Waynes was there. He goes, you know, if I get the show, I get it. If I don't, I don't. He goes in, comes out. Comes out, he's sweating, his <laughs> eyes are glazed over, like he like, and I go, what happened? You know, he just looked like he just looked like he was devastated, and just like just oh, like God. he just like like in shock and yeah. sweating, and his eyes yeah. are glazed over. You know, everybody's before he goes, I don't care. So I then he says, do you have anything else? So I started doing the stand up thing, and Fred Weissman said, don't do stand up because you'll be competing against other professionals like Dennis Miller. But anyway, I did it. They weren't laughing. And so for some reason, in my head, I go, keep going. Really? And I just went, got worse and worse. And then I come out of the room. I'm sweating. <laughs> my eyes are glazed over. Because you feel like, I go, oh, I got it. You figure like you just blew the biggest chance. Right. Had. Is that what you felt? Did you feel? Yeah. And Pam Madison, who passed away, great comedian. I knew her from LA. She said, John, I'm going to St. Patrick's Cathedral to light a candle so that I hopefully get the show. Do you want to come with me? I thought, well, I'm Jewish. Yes, I'll go with you. So I go, I don't care. I'll do anything to get the show. And I lit a candle in St. Patrick's Cathedral. I'm like, Jesus, if you if you get me this show, I'll believe in you. And then and then I got it. And then I said, psych. Do you know what? I did the and same thing before I got hired on Letterman. I went to a church on the Upper West Side, and I made that phony promise. I didn't what did like, you do on Letterman? I had made my writer's submission to the show. And I was Before waiting, SNL waiting to after? hear after SNL. Oh, and I did that same thing. And I said, so "If you he do," came to me in a dream and said, "Just like Spike." <laughs> What's that? Just like Spike, he said. Well, what? Here, here are the me, two of us promising, so promising a Catholic God that we would then go to church and then. Are you Jewish? 
No, I'm Catholic, or I was. I'm not anymore. Well, then I'm not, you I'm were talking to a guy that was your leader. I was just talking to a guy. He wasn't my leader. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and then we were on the show together. What a, what a season that was. I mean, for me personally, it was like the movie The Greatest Year, where I was just walking around going, I can't believe I'm watching these people already, perform. Well, what year were you there? Because I'd already, you came on later. I came on a few season. years after that. Yes. So I came so on. I was like a big cheese. And then I spoke you were a to big you like deal. you were just a person. You were one of the nicest people there. Like, Thank you. You were a nice, genuinely nice person. Always nice to Who you. cared about the production staff and everyone else as long as we laughed at your jokes. You just made that up. <laughs> I was nice. Well, no, because can I you never I... bought into being famous. I, I, we're all there together, and I was thrilled to be there. And it was like, hey, who are you? And oh, this is fun. And I, I can't remember. You were a, always very nice. A single you... awful person on that whole staff. It was such a wonderful experience. Hey, is this true? Does Lorne Michaels tell every cast member uh, when they get cast? Does he say, look? Your fans are going to write you or they're going to message you on Twitter and they're going to tell you you're the funniest thing on the show every week. Don't believe it. Is that true? He said that in the room to all of us, yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. Wow. And it was that And your... he's right because because everyone, everyone's being told you should be on the show more and you're the funniest thing on the show. He was right. They do they say it to everybody. Right. All your friends do and why aren't you on it more and it, I think that show at the time was was a gateway to a movie career and so everybody People's reaction, I mean, in my life, they changed a lot. And it was very upsetting because I'm like, hey, I'm the one that got the show. Now you like me. Now I'm great. And then some people are so jealous. It was like, right, I mean, right. it's crazy. And you're like, hey, I, I'm the one that got the show. And I didn't know what was happening. And a friend of mine, Rick Pallack, who was owned the clothing store I worked at, and he was a patient of my dad's. And I graduated college. I needed a job. I mean, I goes, I have this patient, Ricky, sells clothes out of his uh, apartment. Guy was 23, making a million bucks a year selling clothes out of an apartment. And he ended up dressing yeah. all the local newscasters, and he did very well. Anyway, he sent me a book with a quote he, he highlighted from Kirk Douglas that said, when you become famous, you don't change, everybody else does. Oh, that's you know. great. But I remember Steve Martin. Told me, <clears throat> and what does he mean by that? That the people start reacting differently well, you, around you're you? you're the same person, and everybody right. else gets like weirded out or... Angry or kisses your butt or oh I love you now and you do know. you have do you find that you have to be a much nicer person than you all the time? You know when you meet someone like Matt Damon they're just super nice everywhere they go. No, but that's I, how he always was. I you mean have what to happens be. is I think it amplifies who you really are. Right. Like but, I'm but, basically <clears throat> shy, so some people go he didn't say anything because I'm shy and right, more shy. Right. When a stranger, I mean, yeah. If you're a jerk and and you become famous, you a lot of those people they become more <laughs> of a jerk. Right. Or if I, they're cocky and arrogant, they become more cocky and arrogant. I get to read a. I but most a, people are nice, you know. I'm going to read an ad right now. All right, do you mind? Uh, yes. Feed your dog. Read it anyway. Groom him. Take care of him. Check your messages. Did you know the most uh, cost-effective way to customize your car is starting behind the wheels? So why not check out Caliper Covers? They are fully licensed with most auto manufacturers, plus a three-year warranty, and are made here in the U.S. Let me tell you, if you want a new cover for your car, you need to check out Caliper at CaliperCovers.com. With MGP Caliper Covers, you can design your own style to enhance your car. They have so many logos to choose from, or you can choose your own with any auto color. If you wanted, you could upload the logo for Spike's Car Radio and make that your Caliper cover. I fully endorse that. You could be one of those true fans repping the SCR logo everywhere you go. So why aren't you doing that? Be one of my number one fans. At CaliperCovers.com, pick your make, model, year, and sub-model of your 
vehicle, select customize to start the process. All customized orders usually ship within 10 days, so don't wait. Go to calipercovers.com, use Spike10. That's a little code you pop in there to get a little cash off. That's calipercovers.com, enter Spike10. 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 <clears throat> you know, are you still down at Santa Monica Airport? Yeah. You're, you got a hangar down there? Maybe. You moved, uh, you know what I remember about your hangar? I'm always, uh, I always like to talk about your hangar when I talk. Hi. <laughs> You're taking pictures for Facebook. I'll see that uh, later. Andy Breckman was. Oh, Andy Breckman. Right. Well, you have a project with Andy Breckman that we're going to talk about in a minute. Let's talk the, about your car. The little Diablo Kickstarter. you get into it because of, of, uh, you wanted to be like Jerry Seinfeld and get Porsches? Um, Jerry was one of my enablers, as was David Letterman, but I always liked cars. It just, they, the, my focus shifted after I met they those go, guys. Why do you like cars so much? I go, because I love driving. Right. And I grew Me up too. in the valley and you had to drive everywhere, and I just love driving. And so... It's it, you, well. You, I don't have to explain this to you. You get it. If you get a car that's like fun to drive, right? Every time you get in your car, it's fun. Yes, John. Right. Yes. Exactly. I don't have anything to add to that. You're and exactly we're right. Lucky that we can now. I mean, I had a, my. You know, I'm not complaining. My, I, my, I got a Vega. When I was in high school, right, it was like mustard yellow. It was the ugliest right. car, but it was my car. And, and you then, drove, and, and you felt better. Got a, I, I, he got, in college, he said, "I'll get your car," and he got me a, um, a Toyota, uh, Cressida, a fastback. Okay. And now I forget what it was. White. It was. It was really great. But your point is, it's, but I got was... Saturday Night Live, and I had to leave my car at his house, and then he sold it. He goes, "I sold it. And I'm keeping <laughs> the money. I paid for it in the first place." So now I didn't have a car. <laughs> well, it was his and I car. I felt, you know, very lucky that I did well finally after you know 13 <clears throat> years yes. of trying to do it and living on, after college, living on. The good thing was, he said, "You're on your own." Thank God, because I was living on five bucks an hour, and I go, "If I don't get my shit together." I'm going to be doing, a, you know, crap jobs the rest of my life. Right. And it really mot- motivates you to, like, go for it. You yes. Know, like, more than everyone else, which is, I think, a big reason why I, I, I finally got somewhere. Because I did work my butt off. It was so hard. and But I'm grateful. So, But I love cars. I know. remember your hangar was always a little messy and goofy. I liked going into it because yeah, I'd walk in, there'd be a Mustang. Right, I remember you had some sort of really rare, nice yeah, Shelby Mustang, Mustang right? And well, then, the original Mustang. Okay. 64 then, and a half. Then I remember there was a, a Can-Am. This show about cars. There was a Can-Am motorcycle with yeah, three wheels yeah, well, a, or a couple of those that you said, yeah, I did a stand-up gig and they were just giving me motorcycles. And then Yeah, some, they gave me a, I said I was like a big one, a Yamaha. <laughs> John Yamaha, they gave me a huge motorcycle <clears> on a jet ski. And I never used either what one. What is the... And I gave my motorcycle. Finally, I said, you, a friend of mine, you want it? Right. And he crashed. I go, just don't crash. He crashed. <laughs> he almost died. It was awful. <laughs> what is the Sandler movie where Sandler opens up the garage? It's a Judd Apatow movie. He says, I get all this stuff from stand-up. <laughs> and it was like your hangar. Yeah. In that moment, I thought of you. Well, Adam it's- always wanted to be me, you see. And then I left the show, and they, they hired him and Farley to replace me. Right. That's how huge I was. But again, the with the cars, your hangar was always such a funny hangar. And then it also had... Well, I remember because it, I couldn't get it together. It had I fake, didn't want it to uh, like fake grass inside of it, too, yeah, right? Yeah, practice putting like a lawn. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> These were airplane hangers, though. Yeah, well, now someone, Vic has it that owns Houston's. And Vic, yeah. He, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's spectacular. It's full of cars, and it's very organized, but it's also got that creepy fake woman with the golf cap in it that he puts in there. So every time you open the door, you think there's a, a woman sitting there. I, I was upset I had to give it up. No. But I, I was always charmed by it, and it always made me laugh. And it, I always thought it looked exactly how a comedian's hanger should look. Not lot like Seinfeld or Leno. <laughs> like this is a funny. I wanted hanger. mine to look like that because it was Jerry's old hanger, and it became available, and it was like a cool idea. Right. And the problem with it was that those guys make a lot more money than I did, so they could afford it a lot easier. Well, it was always was an affordable to place to I was be. Like, well, these what comedians do? They get cars. I met Eddie <clears throat> Murphy and Jay Leno, and they had all these cars. Right. Like, oh, this is what you do, and then. Jay said, yeah, but I have all these cars. And Jay makes fun of me. And he goes, well, you have all these cars for I go, well, you have a lot of cars. He goes, yeah, but John, I have old cars that go up in value. You buy new cars that go down. (laughs) I went, oh, you're supposed to buy old ones that go up. (laughs) That's how it works. Yeah, now he tells me. Well, what do you have now? What do you like? I forgot there was a dog in here, and it just made a noise. Well, I have a poor, I have a. A Porsche. He's not puking over here. You do? You have a Porsche? No, what do you have? It's a, the Turbo S convertible. Oh, you I do? I used it, but it's amazing. Wow. That's great. Yeah. That's, that. you know, we were just talking about those yesterday. That's the perfect car, perfect everything car, right? Yeah, it's a convertible. It's faster than than all the other ones. Yeah. Um, It's got like a, it's like a Batmobile. You, it's got an, um, a button and you push it and it gives you full power for 20 seconds yeah and you know it's it's faster zero to 60 and two six yeah those are good speeds smoke your cars i don't know it's not about a competition that. but i just won <laughs> what what oh i thought you said did i want to talk about my doll no i do want to get to that we have time just relax how much it's all... time do we have we have plenty of time we'll do 45 minutes we're almost done. We've already done 30 minutes here. But oh. I just have more questions for you all right, that ahead. you're not answering. First of all, do you, st- you don't have the Can-Am motorcycles anymore. I have a different one. You drive a Porsche Turbo S cab. Do you still have the old Mustang? Do you drive yeah, that? I Anything old? I haven't driven it. No? And what, what is I that exactly? I think it's worth like $400 million. What is it? What year is that car? Well, here's the thing, Spike. Okay. If you know anything about Mustangs, the year the they you know they go the '65 Mustang they mm-hmm. go was the first year it came out, but yes. not really. Mm-hmm. The first year it really came out, it's called '64 and a half. Uh huh. Did you know that? Like the 911s, the Porsches, same years we're talking about here. What '64 <clears throat> and a half? Yeah, yeah. Are you lying? Nope, kind of. Yep. But they're close. But you're lying. No. And I'm the same. known as the liar, and yet you're <laughs> misinforming your So audience. which one do you so have? You have a 64 and a half. Wow. And what color is that color? It's blue, white interior. It was already redone. I bought it from a friend, and it was uh, convertible. And can we go driving in it? Will you come driving with us and hang out? Uh, who's us? We go for a little drive on the weekends. We, it's just an hour, and we have coffee in Malibu, and we talk about comedy. We talk about cars. It's not on your unlike podcast this podcast. Or in just no podcast. It's just real life hanging out. Well, I don't know. I don't really know you that well. <laughs> Perhaps. First time in 30 years you've ever asked me to do anything. Yeah. And yeah. yet I was so nice to you. You were great. Interesting, Spike. You took Remember me your f- hair? It was spiked. I know. 
Remember, uh, you took me for a ride in an old Bentley once. You, I was down at the hangar in front of my hangar, and you pulled up in some old convertible. Was that an old Bentley or a new Bentley and said, let's go no, for a ride around? Yeah. yeah. I you, still have it. You still have that car. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you're trying. I everything to, I ever You're owned. trying to conceal your car collection here from the listeners of well, Spike's I don't car. Know. I don't like radio. Get, oh, these Why are only car talk about people cars. I leased a new car. I have a Range Rover SVR. You do? Yeah. Wow. Sport, five hundred seventy-five horsepower. The thing is sick. Yeah, you like to go fast. Yeah, well, don't you? Well, that's a perfect two-car collection: the Range Rover and a Porsche. Look, I'm doing the same thing. I have a Range Rover Sport, and I have new Porsches I that as I well, drive. But I'm not talking about. It. Why? Yeah. Why? I because I don't like your whole attitude. <laughs> why do you only buy Porsches? You don't like anything else? I have an old Land Rover. I have a BMW. I, li- I have a Volkswagen. Boring, I, boring, I a, boring. I just got a Jeep. What Bl- about the 720S McLaren <clears throat> convertible? I would. Uh, I want to drive that first before I buy one. But I have a Jeep Gladiator. What about a Jeep Gladiator? You know the movie Gladiator? <laughs> did yes. you know they made a porn version of that movie? They did. You know what the title was? <laughs> what? Gladiator. Sunroof Delete wants to know who chose the red cabriolet for the critic TV show. The uh, the uh, cartoonist. He's the guy that colored it. <laughs> My Lord. What is John Lovett's favorite car and perfect moment to drive it? I had a black Ferrari, and then if you have a hot blonde girlfriend in your Ferrari, that's the best. Wow, that's driving like- along. Uh, Pacific Coast Highway. That seems like a cliche. So what? It's the best. <laughs> people people want to know. That's why it's a cliche. It's about hot. your... Uh, do you feel... Uh, Austin wants to know, do you feel underutilized in Big, the movie? <laughs> well, here's Not a, that you could do anything about that now. No, I'll tell you the story of Big. So okay. Penny, Penny Marshall, God bless her soul, was so great to me. Mm-hmm. She befriended me on SNL. She let me live at her house for two summers. Where I lived with Joe Pesci, isn't mm-hmm. that funny? Really? Yeah. And, and how did? Oh, wait, how he did was that happen? There too. Was he, did they just put you guys together? She bunking, had a huge or? house and, and a lot of bedrooms, and you could stay. Where are you going to stay this summer, John? After us? now I go. I don't know. But you could stay in my house. And she, I'd been in Jumping Jack Flash. She put me in that, and I. She goes, "There's no part." She goes, "Just make it up." I just need people to improvise and stuff. So then, so then she's doing big, and I go, "Well, there's no part." There's, and she goes, "Yeah, but you could do the same thing, as you did in fly, and make up stuff." And I, like, I go, "Okay." So I get to the set, and she goes, no, and I started making up stuff. She goes, no, no, you can't do that. I go, what? She goes, you can't make up any lines. I go, what are you talking about? You said, she goes, yeah, but the writers don't want you to do that. So, and the writers were Gary Ross, who's, you know, wrote a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. But that was his first, and Ann Spielberg wrote it, who was Steven Spielberg's sister. And they were all very nice. But she goes, you can't make up lines. They don't want you to do that. I go, well, why am I here? There's, the, the part's like nothing. So then I have to see with Tom Hanks. She goes, no, no, don't do that. What? Don't try to be funny. I go, she just wanted straight nothing and no ad lit, nothing. So I was really pissed. So I go, I'll be funny subtly. Later on, she goes, that's what I wanted you to do. I go, yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, I'm shooting for a week. And the, the fifth day, I said, Penny, I go, I, I think I have the flu. I really feel sick, right? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, 1130, I like go in the restroom and heave and I was sick as a dog. I said, I can't work. I go, I got to go home. I'm going to throw up on John Hurd. The other actors, I go, I'm going to walk down the hall. I go, I'm sick as a dog. And I was sick as a dog, right? So I got the flu really bad. And a week later, I said, oh, I feel better now. Well, maybe I should call her and say, hey, I'm feeling better if you want me to be more than a minute. And I thought, ah, forget it. 
supports nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, so of course, the movie comes out and it's, and it's huge. It's and I'm like, big. ah, crap, I should have called her back. But, <laughs> but she showed me 45 minutes of it at her house. Mm-hmm. And at, at the time, that movie, there was uh, three other movies with the same theme that were already out, vice versa and, mm-hmm. and 18 again and something else, where people were like young and became older, old and became young. So she thought, I don't think it's going to do well. I, she has those other movies, you know, all the same theme. I said, yeah, but I watched the movie. I go, no, I think it's going to do really well. Why? I go, because this movie, the premise was like, what if a 13-year-old kid made a wish and woke up and he's like 30, an adult? But outside of that, the way they wrote the script, it dealt with it very like, what would really happen, you know? And, and so because of that, I thought, you know, and, and Tom was great and everyone did a great job. But because of that, that's the way the movie was. It it worked because you'd go like, yeah, that's what happened. You'd wake up, you'd be scared, and then your mom would scream, and you I got to get out of here, and you'd stay somewhere downstairs. You'd be crying, and then you'd say to your friend, it's me, and he goes, no, it isn't. You know, you'd be scared. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that movie Shazam that just came out, it, it's the same. Now, that's what they I used was... They use the movie big. I mean, they're li- they even reference it. You're exactly it's, right. It's very... Yeah. That's what even, Neil and I were seeing last night. Well, they even reference <laughs> it. They reference the movie big. They do. But you're right. They I didn't even put that together. I, I was like, boy, yeah. where have I seen this Except before? Except he becomes a superhero. Yeah. Right, right. And they have the same scene where he goes, it's me, it's me. It's to, he convinces his young you know, friend, his brother. You're exactly right. Oh, of course. Just Mike. You finally figured that out. I finally figured it out. Hey, before I go to read the second ad here. I know. You've got that. I want to get to you. What's all this singing? Hey, hey, Will, can you just ask them to quiet down out there? It's getting a little noisy in here. <clears throat> What's all? The, I didn't know you were a singer either. What, uh, oh yes. Are you a classically? Oh, uh, the, your dad wanted you to be an opera singer. Is no, no, that he it? wanted to be. He wanted and to be. So he was always playing music. So we all grew up singing. And when I was eight, they go, "You have to learn an instrument. <laughs> oh, so pick something." So I said drums. No, that's my <laughs> That's what I so said to my something. son. All right, piano. So I play piano and sing, and I've been working on my singing. And I, yeah, I've sung it. Carnegie Hall, the Royal Albert Hall. My friend got me a job with the Robbie Williams. Yeah. Swing while you're winning and we sing well, did you ever? And I was trying to imitate Bing Crosby. But uh, lately, I've been work. I do stand up, you know, and uh, and uh, I've been working on my, I play the piano and sing in my act, but I've been working on my singing. And guess <clears throat> who my singing teachers are? No idea. No, you don't have any <laughs> idea, do you? See okay. ya. It's Pavarotti. And Frank Sinatra. Now, what better singing <laughs> teachers could you have? Now, you're going, well, how can they be your singing teachers, John? Well, I'll tell you if you'll listen, Spike. Uh, if you go on YouTube and Pavarotti explains how he sings. Yes. And, and it's ca- called Covered Sound. And he explains it. And it works, of course. And how does Covered Sound work? Well, you I basically, like this your idea. throat has to be totally open and relaxed. Mm-hmm. And he goes, your vocal cords are hanging hanging relaxed, and they vibrate in the middle, he says. And so instead of squeezing the air out with your throat, you have to use your diaphragm. Now, everyone always says sing with your diaphragm, but people go, what does that mean, sing with your diaphragm? It means that, uh, and then uh, what it means is that when you breathe in, your throat's totally open, so you're forced to use your diaphragm. Now, Frank Sinatra, believe it or not, if you want to become really great, he wrote a book, Tips on Popular Singing by Frank Sinatra. Because I'd be, uh, I go, what is he doing? He's so great. Well, it's right. his phrasing. Well, it's this. And I looked it up. He explains it. He wrote a book about it with his sing- t- singing teacher who was an opera singer, uh, uh, opera 
taught people how to sing opera, but that was his vocal coach. So John Quinlan. So anyway, um, you he used... says the art of breathing. Okay. Oh yeah, because he explains it differently than anyone ever, any singing teacher. And I've had a few lessons, but they go, you know, you breathe in and pull your stomach in, and you don't let your diaphragm. Lower. Well, you can't feel your diaphragm. Your diaphragm is the <clears throat> muscle that separates your heart and lungs from the from the other organs in your body, your stomach and your liver and your kidney and all that. So what happens is when you breathe in, your lungs fill full of air, right? Okay. And your chest cage goes out yes. just naturally. And then Frank Notch says, now just naturally, he goes, it'll come out naturally. Don't let it go back in. Well, when you do that, you automatically start engaging your, your stomach muscles without thinking about it because you don't feel your diaphragm. You know what I mean? You just you automatically hold it in. So what happens is because when, when your ribcage goes back in, it pushes the air out of your lungs. So if you combine that <laughs> with your throat being open, okay. the air comes up. It vibrates your vocal cords. You're like, so instead of going, ah, you're like, ah. You hear the difference? Oh, yeah. Do you want to sing us in a commercial? Everybody loves somebody <laughs> sometime. Beautiful, beautiful voice. Think of all the weird things found at Podcast One in our recording studio and in cars. I'm not talking about your garden variety petrified French fries, melted crayons, or anything else in a car. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the kind of stuff that just makes you wonder about folks. Another thing that makes you wonder, but in a good way, are continental belts. Do you use continental belts, John? Not that I know of. Bet you didn't know they're OE in tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, and Ford GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also OE in the majority of BMWs and VWs. Now Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their first OE technology series. They're also OE in the majority of BMWs and VWs. Now Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. Belts that are fanatically engineered for the perfect fit form and function. And Continental has an OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you can get enough surprises on the road working on cars and trucks. A belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belts, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit oetechnologyseries.com. Let me tell you this. John Lovitz is here in the studio, and he has a, uh, a new toy. And I like toy. to sing again, sing again real quick. You want to sing before the I get... The song I sing in my act, Bob Okay, Bob go Saget. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Mr. Bob Saget likes it in the kitchen. Uh, by the way, Bob's a gourmet chef, so I wrote a song about it. Okay. Uh, Bob Saget likes it in the kitchen. Mr. Bob Saget likes it in the kitchen, likes it in the kitchen, likes it in the kitchen. Mr. Bob Saget likes it in the kitchen. Kitchen, of course, is code for butt. That's Bob's code. I just cracked it. And now I'd like to talk about my dog. Okay. Andy Breckman is a comedy yes. writer. Set this He's up properly. He's the only comedy writer I know. I know him. No offense to you. That's really a very funny person. <laughs> he could be a stand-up, right? He's hilarious. The greatest. One and of the he started SNL a guys, game right? company with a company called Breaking Games. And he has game boards in this. So he came up with this idea for a doll. And it's a game. And I'll show it to you now, Spike. And it's called Little right. Diablo. He's opening a red box right now. Size of uh, maybe a birthday cake box. There's a little paper on top, it's, and uh, here it and is. there's a doll. So this is a real toy that you're that looks like you. It and, looks and, like me, and it's a devil. That's not my devil character from Saturday Night Live. It's, it's not. No, it's but you not. did do a devil character on Saturday Night Live. 
Well, I played the devil, but they had Rob Schneider. Are you Schneider worried about it, getting so sued? Is that why you're saying it's not? Huh? <laughs> Are you worried about getting sued by NBC Universal for co-opting their devil character? Well, or? I didn't. It's <laughs> Andy's did. idea. So if you want to sue somebody, sue Andy. Also, <laughs> uh, Rob Schneider played it, and lots of people played the devil. They, you know, nobody created the Correct. devil character. You cannot copyright the devil. Exactly, but it's my wow. Face. Look at that. All right. So you know the ga- on the belly of this doll, it's an adorable little. Fat doll. Yep. Kind of has my shape, the body of a pear. It does. And then you don't have to agree. <laughs> I'm just trying to validate. You bastard. <laughs> anyway, on the belly, as you see, it's it's like that game Simon, color lights. So you have to hit the color lights in a row. Right. So I'll let you do it. Right? So like it's a red, uh, uh, light green, orange, and purple. So, so it's a memory game on the stomach right, of and this there's ten devil levels. doll. And that's How do the Simon you. people feel about this? You'll have to ask Andy Breckman once again. I had nothing to do with it. Okay. So I just do the voice. So now, I like but it's Simon, really fun. All right. And uh, before I say anything, this is Can a game. Yes, I'll let you do it. But I want to say that this is a toy All right. that you want to give to people you hate. <laughs> if you want to drive somebody nuts. Got it. You're like... Like, say, I'm telling you, folks, if you have a fight with a friend and you feel really bad, you know, well, you don't really feel bad. You pretend to make it. You go, gee, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad that I got you this doll. And then it will drive them insane because you have to do 10 levels and you hear my voice and I heckle you as you're doing it. And it doesn't stop. You have to do all 10 levels. You can't turn it off. Once it's on, it won't turn That's off. That's it. Unless you and hit you level 10. Put it down. Yeah, level 10. You can <laughs> put like it, it down. Right. And it still talks. And it goes like, hello, I can hear. Where are you? I can smell you. Right. All right. So now to start it, we hit all four at once. And then if I were you, I would. <clears throat> I don't know how loud it is. You might want to hold this up to I, the I, speakers. I'll do know. it. Okay. Okay, ready? Yeah. Go ahead. It's, you're starting it now. Are you ready for little Diablo? Yes. <laughs> Once we start, there's no turning back. Okay, I've got. Don't screw this up. <laughs> All right, that's two. What a loser! It's heckling me while I do it. How did you become such a loser? Did you take lessons? Hey, get your fingers out of my butt! How hard can it be? Just repeat the damn colors. What is your problem? Let me guess. Masturbation elbow? Thank you, Kickstarter, for introducing me to this idiot. Sorry, am I distracting you? You really stink. Seriously. You smell like a pig with a run. <laughs> you suck. Okay, this time, try using your oh, brain. Geez. Roses are red, violets are blue. God made me pretty. What the hell happened to you? You want to shoot me? Must be yeah. close. You're doing There's good. There's only one problem with your face. I can see it. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, no. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> so now I can't. Now I have to just keep going. Mm-hmm. But I don't exactly. want to keep going. I can't. Focus. You are a waste of sweat. <laughs> this is making me anxious. <laughs> 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 Folks, you Ready? got to give it to people you hate and love. Now, if I don't participate with it right now, what is it going to do? Well, let's find out. Oh, oh. no. It won't stop. Ready? 
<laughs> Take this. No. Take this. I don't want it. Now it's going to make noise for the rest of... Oh. <laughs> I don't like this. It's unshut upable. This is... You're right. You can this... go on Kickstarter, Little Diablo, and you'll see it. You can buy well, it. You... you get a special price. Some of them I've signed. Wow. This is so... Wait. This is a Kickstarter project with Andy Bruckman's well, it's already, toy it's company. It's already been funded. Yeah, so they're going to make it. It'll be in GameWorks and different... <clears throat> Uh, and you can buy it. And it's, hey, hey, where'd you go? So oh, not, wow. You didn't play it, so it keeps talking to you. What if I hold all four buttons down? Is it going to turn off again? No. <laughs> it just stays have on to complete the all whole time. time. Oh, no. That, see, a person like me, when I don't have control over a device like that, would make me crazy. Exactly. It would legitimately That's make me say, really give it, mad. Yeah, give it to your friends. Yeah, yeah. Maybe better yet, give it to your enemy. <laughs> well, I'll have people... You go like, I'm so sorry. We ha- or you get in a fight with your friend. You go, gee, I'm so sorry. Or you have a girlfriend that's mean to you and she dumps you. And you go, here, can we get back together now? Okay, here, just take this. Wow. And then it drives You never you. finish anything, do you? That would be good Look in a relationship. Will, you like this idea. Look at Will behind. He's laughing. He thinks this is great. Right? Wow, you may have Everybody that sees here. it wants get it, Spike. back here. I'm not through with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the doll, folks. Anyway, I can. And it, it just keeps going. It just keeps going until you reach level 10. He's still talking in the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's shut the box and let's hear. Let's listen. Your dog has been so well behaved, by the way. I applaud yes, you, your dog, Jerry Bruckheimer. He's, he's, uh, he talks. He says, he's a great he says, dog. He said, no. He's argued with he? me. Look at him just sitting under the table there. Here, I have a All gift right. for you. This is for the Kickstarter, and you can talk about it. There it is. On every show. There it is, the little Because Diablo I was dog. nice to you the whole season. You were great. You 20 bo- shows. You've always so been a nice guy. now that means you have to plug this for 20 podcasts. I will plug it right or now for you. Or I'll just leave this in your car. It's still talking in, in the box. In your bedroom. If you want one of these little Diablos, they are... General, they are really diabolical. I would suggest you get one for your worst enemies. You can go to www.littlediablodoll.com. It's still talking. It's Andy Breckman, you know, he wrote the movie talking. Rat Race that I did. He's one of the best comedy writers there is. And he created the show Monk. And he's very, he's oh, that's brilliant. right. Monk was his big show. But he's a funny person. Wasn't you know, he Andy. an SNL writer before that? Yeah, he wrote on Letterman. He wrote on SNL. That's he, right. One of the greats. And he was always a joy to be around. He's yes. a very funny person. <laughs> All right. I can't compete with that. John. Did you have other questions? Or is your curiosity <clears throat> dead? No, we got to give up the studio. But I can't, I can't continue with this little uh, rambling nonsense can't you? next to you. <laughs> no, I can't. Yes, you can. I wish my memory was... You want me See, to there sing it goes. some more? I would like that. Why don't you sing us out of the show? And we'll say goodbye. But it's oh, been great. <laughs> Mr. Spike Ferriston likes it in the kitchen, likes it in the kitchen, likes it in the kitchen. Mr. Spike Ferriston likes it in the kitchen. Kitchen, of course, is code for butt. Oh, you wake up in the morning and you brush your teeth. Spike takes it up the butt. You wake up in the morning and you brush your hair. Spike first and takes it up the butt. It's as easy as one, two, three. Simple as A, B, C. This is nice. I like this. You wake up in the morning and you take a breath of air. Spike first and takes it up the butt. <laughs>
Let's fight! John Lovitz. is bleeding. Everybody, thank you for coming, John. We'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Blood. Quick before we go, 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer with your car from True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or at home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together, the two of you. You can even hug if you want. You can ask questions, get the answers you need so there's no surprises, and simply leave your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a new, better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.